This morning's reading is from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 18. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceived my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in from behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise up on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearful and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake, I am still with you. Amen. Wonderful words from that psalm, aren't they? I never cease to be amazed by the uh, beautiful text that is given to us there. We're going to pick up now on our offering theme and just see a little bit more about the BMS work in Afghanistan, where the wonder of what we have just read is contrasted with the sadness and the sorrow in many people's hearts. Maternal and infant mortality is actually a success story in Afghanistan. The stats have improved year on year since the government has been in power, but those improvements really, if you look at the statistics overall, are centered around the cities. If you come out to village life here in very remote parts of the country, you're still looking at maybe one child in 10 will not survive its first birthday, and possibly one woman in 20 will not survive her first pregnancy. We had 11 children who did not survive. 
Some of our babies lived for one or two months, and then they got sick and died. But most of them would only live for a few hours. They would be born and start breathing, and we'd hope they'd make it. But then they'd seize up and die. Like everybody else, I used to give birth into piles of dirt from the cow shed, and our children would never live very long. It was a terrible thing, losing so many children. You can't really cope with that kind of feeling. There's so many common complications of pregnancy here that happen because of diet, because of lack of access to services, because of lack of knowledge about hygiene and sanitation. And every village we go to, we hear stories of people who've got family members who died um, trying to give birth. We teach people, women and men, the knowledge and essential practical skills that they need in their communities to prevent common birth problems, to deal with them when they happen, and we teach them how to know when you need to get help from a trained medical professional. Seven of my own children died. They got sick after they were born and died from tetanus or pneumonia. Until we started doing this training, the ladies would be giving birth anywhere, in the stable, the cow house, or around the back of the house on a pile of grass. We didn't know how to keep things clean. We'd always be carrying heavy loads when we were pregnant. We'd clean the baby's umbilical cord with black dirt. And we believed that we shouldn't eat fruit or vegetables because they could be harmful for us and the baby. The babies were dying because of things we were doing. But we didn't know they were wrong. We didn't know any better. Now we've learned a whole lot of things. And it hits us where we've been hurting. In the villages, they don't have good access to health facilities, but prevention is better than treatment, and we are teaching them how to help each other. After the training, the women say, if we'd had these lessons in the past, maybe we wouldn't have lost our babies. I think I'm 35 or 40 years old, and I didn't think I'd have anyone to carry on my family name. After losing 11 babies, we'd lost all hope that we'd ever have a child that would survive. But then the birthing course came to the village, and my wife and I learnt what the problems had been. We'd been following the traditions from here, and my wife had been giving birth in very dirty conditions. Our babies had been getting tetanus from the dirt when they were born. I really did the things that we learnt from the trainers. They told us that we should try and eat something four times a day, and I thought, yeah, I can do that. And my brother took me to the clinic for prenatal checks. And I didn't carry anything too heavy. That was really good. This is my first child, Umed. Giving birth was a little bit difficult. I was in labor for two days. But then my family hired a car and took me to the clinic. And my son was born there. Umed's alive and doing well today because his mum knew that when she was in obstructed labor, she had to get out, get help from a clinic. That wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been part of our training course. What his mum picked up on the training course saved his life. I feel very happy to be a mum. I think these lessons should spread everywhere. Everyone needs to know about these things. This time round, I gave birth on a clean sheet of plastic. We made sure our hands were clean, that the strings we used to tie the baby's cords were clean. We cleaned everything. And now, we have two living children, and I am very happy.
This is my three-year-old daughter, Roya, and this is my baby son, Navid. I'm delighted and so full of joy to be a father. It's a really great feeling. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. What we've learnt here is the reason that my children are alive. The lessons you have given have made all the difference in the world. If you want to pick one thing that transforms lives the most, I think saving the life of a mother and baby is there. You can't be much more transformative than that. When you talk to people about the changes that have happened in their villages, when people tell you about losing a string of children and then having one successfully delivered and, and starting to grow up and be healthy because of the work that we've done with them. And that is transformation. If you look at a, a woman who has maybe lost half of her previous children, that's, you can look at it as, as a statistic, but that's a mum who's lost a lot of babies. Um, we can change that, so. So our theme of giving birth to hope, which does uh, link a little bit to the video that we've just seen, but also to our theme of hope as it is uh, continuing through this year. And uh, it just felt appropriate to follow this material today for Harvest Sunday. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, hope to those who have lost hope. That's where the story in Afghanistan finished. How beautiful on the mountains of Afghanistan are the feet of those who bring good news about how to stay well in pregnancy, how to safely deliver a newborn baby, and how to protect that child in infancy. Hope to those who have lost hope. How beautiful on the mountains of the world, on the valleys of the world, in the cities of the world are the feet of those who bring good news of God's love. Salvation through Jesus Christ, a transformed life with Jesus. Hope to those who have lost hope. I don't know about you, but I found that a particularly powerful video. An unusual one for Harvest, but Harvest is not just about the creation and the provision of food and water. It's about God's provision of life in all its forms, not least human life. And where that life is being taken away through what are very preventable reasons, it makes a huge difference to bring that gift of hope through relevant information and education, such as what we saw in the video. I'm sure there'll be a very significant response to that BMS appeal this year. And that particular program will be able to expand greatly as a result, not just in Afghanistan, but in other countries where the need is similar. I'm also conscious, and I want to say this before I go any further, that anything 
that uh, we might do in the context of childbirth can raise sensitive concerns. And there will be those in our congregation this morning who have had sad and painful experiences, whether that is around childbirth, the loss of children, or the difficulties of infertility. Things that we often keep very tight to ourselves. And I just want to encourage you this morning to say that here is a community of love and compassion, of support. There are those who can listen and pray. There is the continuing work of Family Support Centre and the ongoing encouragement and support that can be given in that way. There are other agencies who have the expertise to bring help and encouragement where it is needed. Don't feel that you have to bottle up those deeper issues in your own lives and families. Let God's grace, his mercy and his healing power be evident among us. Childbirth, even in a modern scientific world, is still a miraculous, mysterious, and often unpredictable phenomenon. Not only in Afghanistan, but in many other cultures around the world today. It's traditional beliefs that determine the practices that surround giving birth. Sadly, in many places across the world, there is that feeling that uh, because in childbirth there is the inevitable flow of water and of blood, that there is somehow an uncleanness around that. And in some cultures, people are obliged to give birth outside of home or hospital, maybe in a stable or a cowshed. The whole business, risky as it is, can be made much more so by traditions handed down over generations, which people are loath to break. Being born in a stable, does that remind us of anyone? The birth of Jesus was in many ways as fragile and vulnerable as a birth in Afghanistan. And yet that fragile birth was the gateway to the greatest message of hope the world has ever known. Hope which came about, firstly, because Jesus was indeed born of Mary and survived that birth process. But also because of what he went on to be and to do. The Son of God in human form, living, dying, rising again to bring hope to the whole world. And this theme for us this morning, giving birth to hope. I mean not so much in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Scripture uses the metaphor of childbirth in speaking about a profound spiritual truth, that there is a whole new world that opens up, a life of hope that is born. And that's what we need to hear today. Yes, we want to support those who are helping to make childbirth safer across the world. And just as droughts and floods can destroy the harvest of the land which God has provided, so poor education and inappropriate practices can destroy the harvest of new lives which God is longing to give across the world. This BMS project is life transforming. 
but it also points to a spiritual truth. And that is my focus now. The journey through pain to new hope and new life. This is the journey which Jesus took. His human birth was just the start. There were many more elements of pain along the way. And a verse which captures this so well is in Hebrews chapter 12, where we often focus on just verses 1 and nudge into verse 2, but put the focus on verse 2 this morning. Therefore, since we're surrounded by great, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Here it is. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Yes, I think we can genuinely say that Jesus journeyed through pain, a pain that was far greater than the greatest pain of childbirth or any other circumstance. He endured mental, physical, emotional and spiritual torture. His disciples could not stay awake to pray. They ran away and fled. His enemies mocked him, subjected him to a mockery of, child, of a trial, chanted for his crucifixion. He was mocked, beaten, forced in weakness to carry his own cross. And all of that before the excruciating pain of crucifixion itself began. And then from the cross he cried out to his father, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Here were the pains of childbirth, giving birth to the most profound hope the world has ever known. And the reason Jesus endured suffering was because of the joy that was set before him. The joy ahead was to see millions of people of all generations brought into the family of God, forgiven of their sins, transformed by the Holy Spirit. There is rejoicing in heaven every time someone becomes a Christian. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. That joy is continual through the years. It's remarkable in its impact. It's eternal in its consequences. This is what drove Jesus to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. That was no easy prayer. Indeed, we're told that as Jesus prayed, sweat like drops of blood fell to the ground. He was in utter God-forsaken agony as he wrestled with questions of life and death. Was there any other way he could go? No, there wasn't. For this reason, he came into the world. For us, it's so important that the hand of God was on the life of Jesus from the very beginning, from the safe delivery in the least suitable environment in Bethlehem, 
through to the deepest anguish of sufferings on the cross and the glorious triumph of his resurrection. Here was the journey of Jesus through pain to amazing hope. And what does that new hope look like? Does it surprise you to say that one of the gospel writers picks the image of new birth to talk about the hope of those who share in the life of Jesus. The story of Nicodemus, John 3, 5, 6, and 7, where Nicodemus asks the question and Jesus answers, truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You must not be surprised when I say you must be born again. And a whole new way of life opens up through being born again. A spiritual new birth that has so many important aspects to it. It involves repentance. It involves turning away from the life that we once lived where it all focused on me. It involves believing and trusting that Jesus died for us. That if I was the only person in the world, such is the love of Jesus that he would have still died for me. That's incredible to grasp. But that's the depth of his love. And we respond to that by believing and trusting, by expressing our faith, by being baptized, and by following a life of serving Jesus together. There is hope right across the world, as countless people are finding that their whole lives are becoming new by trusting in Jesus. That journey which Jesus undertook to give birth to hope again, it happens time and time again when you and I trust in Jesus today. And so we need to hear that challenge this morning. We need to hear are you, am I, in that place of really trusting Jesus today? Kind of links with our steps of hope, of believing and trusting in Jesus, not just as a one-off moment sometime in the past, but today. To live today trusting that Jesus is the one who brings new life and new hope into every single day. You can be part of the hope and the joy that emerges out of the sacrifice of Jesus. Your faith today, my faith today, brings joy in heaven today. Part of the joy that Jesus was looking forward to as he endured the cross. But it needs our conscious commitment and our continual believing. The image of childbirth is very powerful in understanding what Jesus has done for us. It's also very powerful in regard to how we grow in our Christian faith. And there's another moment further on in the New Testament where the same image is used in a slightly different context, and it's for the deeper discipleship of the Christian community. And I think it's very important that we hear this too. 
this morning. It was the Apostle Paul in Galatians 4 and verse 19 who wrote very passionately. He had a deep love for the Christian people who were there in Galatia. And they were being distracted and sidetracked. And he longed for them to grow well in the faith. And so he writes to them, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. A deep pain. Until Christ is formed in you. These were believers in Jesus who were in danger of losing their way, who were perhaps in danger of drifting a little bit. They were in danger of getting things wrong by following the teachings of those who said that the new Gentile Christians among them had to take on board all the religious traditions of Judaism. Not so. They were not slaves to the past. They were free people in Jesus Christ to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in every way. But that conflict was deep. And the Apostle Paul uses this metaphor and uses the journey of pain leading to the hope that he longed for that they should discover. Really being free as Christian people. He himself, as pastor, leader, shepherd, was feeling the pain until the pattern of Christ was more evident among the people he was writing to. And sometimes churches have to make painful journeys. Journeys of reconciliation, journeys of renewed commitment, journeys of shared conviction, of profound change, until more of Christ is evident among his people. Discipleship is not instant. It is a lifetime of growing, and sometimes there are deep painful moments along the way. We all have our ideas about what being a Christian is all about, and sometimes those ideas are different. We can all claim our various, Bible, our favorite Bible verses to back up something that we think. And then we find that other people have different favorite verses to back up what they think. And the Apostle Paul felt deeply in himself the growing pains of a church that was seeking to become Christ-like. And then in the following chapter, he describes the fruit of the Spirit, what emerges more and more as a Christ-like community develops, where there is really love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what it means to have Christ formed in us, living continually with these qualities, radiating all the time. But there's growing pain along the way, giving birth to hope. Now, most sermons would usually stay with just one verse or one passage. I've already touched on several this morning, so a slightly different way of preaching. But in conclusion, I would like to return to the words of our reading from the Old Testament, Psalm 139, and just make a final observation. 
And that is that the God who formed our physical bodies watches over our spiritual growth. Hear these words in the message. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. This God has formed our physical bodies. But he is involved deeply in our spiritual formation too. And so that psalm begins, Lord God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I am thinking. I don't know what you are thinking this morning. But God knows what you are thinking. And he watches over and longs that that journey through pain to a new and amazing hope in Jesus would be something that is real to you. That you will discover why Jesus made that journey. And that it was for you. And that he loves you deeply. And you'll discover that God is watching over you and longing that the fullness of Christ will be formed in you and formed in all of us together, giving birth to a hope-filled community who truly worship the Lord our God. Will you allow this God to shape your life today, giving birth to hope as you put your trust in Christ? And as you allow the Holy Spirit to complete that work of spiritual formation, Christ has come into the world, giving birth to hope. His journey of suffering and the painful journey of others along the way is all part of enabling you and me to live right now with deep faith and with profound hope.